Flatiron School is an international boot camp for software engineering, data science, and design that changes lives through education. One of our strengths is our focus on teacher quality. Flatiron's educational development team has experts in both pedagogy and content knowledge who work with our teachers to ensure our students receive the best educational experiences possible. This is the podcast of the educational development team. Hi, this is Sean. I'm the Director of Educational Development here at Flatiron School, and I have a special guest with me again today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Christy Reardon. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Flatiron School. Christy and I are going to talk about a talk that she gives to our new employees here about growth organizations and how to basically survive them. But before we do that, I wondered if you could just share some of your background work before Flatiron and then what you do here. Sure. And I would add not just survive, but in fact thrive in a growth organization. So I've actually spent the last 15 years working in growth companies, which is a particular kind of experience that I have come to discover that I really love. Prior to that, I've done a lot of different things in my career. I actually started as a CPA. I trained to become a lawyer. I worked in politics, both in D.C., in the U.S. Senate, also on a presidential campaign. And eventually, after trying on all these different careers... I discovered growth organizations and had an opportunity to work across almost every function except for engineering, but work across every function within the organization and really transformed who I was as an individual, having the opportunity to be in such a fast-paced organization and discovered that that's where I belong. Nice. Yeah. So I mentioned this talk that you give. I wanted to start by just sort of relating my experience with that because when I joined Flatiron, my experience was exactly what you described in this talk. I, was, I felt like I was drinking from the fire hose. I felt like I was overwhelmed. I had these feelings of what did I get myself into? And then the third day that I was here, you gave this presentation and you basically said, yeah, so you're going to feel like you're drinking from the fire hose and you're not going to be sure if you can handle this. And that was literally the moment that the way that I felt about it changed. And I went from this feeling of, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing by being here to this feeling of, oh, I can do this. This is just how it is. Those feelings are really, really common. And in fact, that's one of the inspirations for me developing this talk is that I saw so many people who are engaging with an intense growth experience for the first time, not be able to recognize those kinds of feelings and that those feelings were natural. And in fact, there are these opposing tensions that take place when we're truly challenging ourselves and we're trying to grow of feeling like we don't belong, we don't know enough and how to be successful in this, we're unprepared, but at the same time wanting to grow. And there's a line that one of our co-founders, Avi Flambaum, uses in Flatiron School about the Flatiron Way and that the obstacle is the way. It's, it's actually drawn from the Stoists, from Stoic philosophy. And it's this idea that the path forward is actually through the obstacle, not actually around it. And in our society today, in work culture today, we oftentimes talk about how everyone wants to grow and develop and be challenged in an environment that's so rapidly changing. But I find we don't 
We don't pause to talk about what that actually feels like, what that growth experience is like when you're actually going through it. And so oftentimes when we engage and connect with the real growth experience, we take a step back from it. We think that something's wrong because it starts to feel really hard. But if you're presenting yourself with a true challenge where you have an opportunity to change and learn and grow, that's exactly what it should feel like. And so there are these these tensions in our life that we kind of separate ourselves from. And in fact, I think it's actually a result of what's happened in our society because of technology. If you look at a particular role called UX UI design, this is actually one of the courses that we teach here at Flatiron School. The job of a person like that is actually to remove friction points from the experience that we have with technology in our lives. We want to remove the friction, make it easy. Whether we're shopping on Amazon or listening to music, whatever we're doing, we're oftentimes engaging with technology today, and it's meant to feel really, really easy. But when it comes to our own personal growth, And how we learn to change and evolve, that doesn't apply. But I think we actually have this mindset that when we encounter friction, something's wrong. But I think that's actually the moment to lean into. Yeah, and it relates very much to learning as well. There's a principle of learning called the zone of proximal development. It's an educational theory, and it basically says that there's a little bit of space outside of what you know and understand that you can work within and actually grow. But in that space, it's difficult for the learner. It's not a comfort area. You actually map out different phrasing for that, but basically the same idea in this talk. Yeah, in fact, growing as a professional is learning. And, you know, one of the things that we're seeing in the workforce as a whole is these silos, these notions of you learn, you work, and then you retire. Those silos are disappearing. And when we want to continue to grow and evolve as a professional, we need to be learning at all times throughout our career. So developing and growing in a high growth organization is very much like being a student. Mm-hmm. And so these phases of our life that used to be highly structured are disappearing. So this talk that I provide was actually very much oriented to our employees, but it was inspired by our educational program. And what you're describing is actually out of straight out of educational pedagogy, as mm-hmm. you know very, very well. But many people in a corporate work setting aren't familiar with these kinds of tactics because sure, yeah. corporate leaders and managers have not thought of themselves through the lens of being a teacher or a trainer or a coach but are more and more so today. And so this notion of a comfort zone, a stretch zone, and then a panic zone is something that educators have used for years and years. It's this idea that when you're in your comfort zone, you have an enormous amount of confidence, you know exactly what you're doing, and you feel really good about it. It's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if you stay in that zone for too long, you're probably likely to get bored. Mm If you want to be learning, you actually have to be in your stretch zone. And so to get to your stretch zone, we, we as managers, as leaders, or as teachers here at Flatiron School, we have to apply pressure, which means we have to push you as an individual to do something that's quote unquote, outside of your comfort zone, Mm -hmm. right? We're going to throw some more incrementally difficult challenges at you, or we'll give you a project where you maybe don't feel completely prepared. And you're going to step outside of your comfort zone into your stretch zone. 
that's exactly where you're having that learning opportunity. Yep. But that's where those tensions that you described feeling when you first joined the organization and you feel like you're in a little bit over your head, mm-hmm. you feel unprepared to actually manage some of the things in front of you, that's your learning zone. That's your stretch zone. Now, the problem is in a high growth organization, we sometimes apply too much pressure right. because there's so many things that we're trying to accomplish. And in a learning environment, in a classroom, certainly all the students are not created equal. You know, they approach different problems differently. They approach different technologies differently. They hit phases differently. So we have to look at each individual and recognize when they might be dipping over into their panic zone. And the panic zone is that period of time when you start to lose your sense of focus and your ability to truly learn. You're not learning anymore. So those are the moments when we as teachers, as managers, as coaches, we need to pause and help our student or help our employees recognize and diagnose what's going on and come back into that stretch zone or maybe even into the comfort zone for a little while. Yeah, yeah. It's very different from many other organizations where they're fine with comfort zone because it gets the job done and Mm -hmm. it just doesn't work in a growth org. You had a story that you told me about your daughter, a growth moment that she had. I wonder if you could share that. Oh, sure. So I have given this talk for probably three or four years here at Flatiron School. So a lot of employees have heard this talk. And pretty recently, we announced that I'm actually going to be relocating to Sydney, Australia to take the programs that we built here in the United States and expand them into the Eastern Hemisphere. So this is an exciting opportunity for me uh, at this point in my career to have a set of experiences that are entirely new to me. Lots of great learning opportunities, but it's also an incredible opportunity for my family. And I have three children, and my oldest daughter is 11 years old, and she's gone back and forth between being really excited about this as a new adventure and an incredible opportunity, but then also fear. These are those healthy tensions that we were talking about a minute ago. The fear that starts to set in where she realizes, I'm walking away from everything I know and I'm comfortable with, right? her school, her teachers, her neighborhood, her friends. And all of a sudden she starts realizing, will I be able to make friends in a new country? Will they think I'm different? Will they accept me? Will I enjoy my life there? And so she was just down in the dumps one night and I was feeling kind of bad about it. She was just in, she was in tears. She was beside herself. We're nearing the end of the school year. And so she was really, this was setting in, in terms of reality. She was Mm. thinking about what was coming. And so I just felt awful about it because there was nothing I could really do other than try to share my experience and my perspective with her. And so I was talking about this with one of my colleagues, someone who had sat through my talk probably about three to six months ago when she joined the company. It was Tiffany. And I was, she was asking me how it was going, the getting ready to prepare to leave for Australia. And I said, boy, I just feel really bad. I feel really awful about my daughter. I shared this story with her. And she said, Christy, Christy, this is her growth moment. <laughs> it was such an incredible opportunity because here was this person that I had shared my learnings with in an effort to help ease her transition into a growth company. And there she was helping me realize that I was creating this growth moment for my daughter. And even though we were sort of down in the dumps about that experience, it was part of the journey. And that was that stoic philosophy coming through 
full circle through community that this was the moment that we had to go through to be able to have that opportunity on the other end of the growth and transformation and maturity and adventure. Yeah. There's that expression that nothing easy is, or, or nothing, what is it? Nothing easy is worth doing or something like that. It's mm-hmm. it's better for something mm-hmm. to be hard. It's more satisfying. Yep. But it's easier said than done. And this year, one of my daughters has had a really difficult time in a number of areas and just really struggled. And my wife and I were talking about it and we realized that she's never really had to struggle before. And that's part of why this is so hard because she doesn't, she's not used to the notion of struggle. But I've also seen her in this process really grow and change and evolve in who she is and how she deals with change. The struggle is the way. The struggle is the way. And that is that stoic philosophy coming through. And our educational program, it's difficult, but it's possible. And one of the things that I think has struck me the most about coming here and seeing what our teachers do and seeing what our our, our students are capable of doing is just this mindset shift that takes place. Mm -hmm. I used to hear students say over and over and over, this was the first time I learned how to learn. And I heard people saying it that had gone to incredible educational institutions for bachelor's degrees, for master's degrees, and I just didn't understand what they were talking about. And as I kept asking questions over and over again, it was really this. It was this mindset of beginning to understand what the experience of truly challenging yourself, putting yourself into a high growth learning experience and what that mindset actually feels like, how you have to struggle through it, and then what it feels like to come out on the other end and how good you feel Mm. about what you've just journeyed through. In fact, there's this one orientation, this one phrasing that I love to share in this talk called the emotional journey of creating anything great. And if you imagine starting in this new adventure that, you know, hopefully you felt this way when you were coming to Flatiron School about this new opportunity you were taking on and you feel really great about it. You're very excited. You think you've got all these skills that you've developed over the course of your career that you're going to bring to bear. The organization really values them. This is such a great fit. This is going to be great. That was exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we felt about you. We were very excited. Um, And so then you get into it. You're day three, right? You're at day three. And imagine yourself sort of slipping down a slope, Right. right? And you're thinking, wow, there's a lot more work to do here than I realized that was it was actually the case. This is going to be really hard. There's actually a lot that I can bring to bear, but there's a lot I don't know. Right. Okay, so now you're starting to get into that stretch zone, right. right? And that's, again, the learning zone, right? But then all of a sudden you slip all the way down into what I call the swamp of despair. <laughs> and the swamp of despair, you're down in the muck. Yep. And it's dark down there. It's cold down there. It's a little bit lonely down there. You feel isolated. You're going home at night. You don't have a big bounce in your step. And you're, you're talking to your wife. You're like, I don't, maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> you know, right? I, I did have that conversation. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. This is why I give the talk. Yeah. And this is why we actually talk to our students in this way as well, is part of this is setting the expectation that this is going to be hard. These emotions, if you don't have them now, they're coming. So be ready for it and recognize that it's normal. We're trying to normalize what the experience of putting yourself into a growth moment and growth journey feels like. So you're down in the swamp. 
you're stuck down in the muck. And the question is, what do you do down there? Do you just hang out and complain about it? Sit in toxicity, allow the toxicity to build up? Well, hopefully not. This is a part of why we talk about the process. Hopefully you raise your hand, you engage with others, with colleagues, you have a conversation with your wife or your partner at home. And eventually you tell a couple jokes and you put one foot in front of the other. That's the struggle, right? That's Mm -hmm. the obstacle. And that there is a way out of it. There is a way forward. And you Mm -hmm. keep marching up. And then you come up the curve on the other side. And eventually, that's when you get to the thing that you're the most proud of. Mm -hmm. That's where our students get in every one of our programs. And in fact, they cycle through this probably three times, six times. They're at the peak. They're at the swamp valley. They're at the peak. They're at the swamp valley. And that's how you struggle through it, like your daughter was doing. And you realize that you have to do this. It's an inevitable journey if you actually want to strengthen yourself Mm -hmm. and develop new muscles. An elite athlete never gets better without going through the struggle and the hard work and maybe actually tearing a muscle and Mm -hmm. doing too much and having to take a break and pause and reflect and regroup. But we have to think about our learning no differently than a way an, an elite athlete would think about training. Yeah. It's really true. And what I've heard, and I've experienced this in talking with the students and the faculty that we have here, is the students are proudest of the things that they worked hardest on that were the hardest things, which it doesn't feel good in the moment. But as you said, when you get through it and you've shown yourself that you can accomplish this and the scope of what you're capable of accomplishing, it's incredibly satisfying and much better than working within the comfort zone. Much better. But the journey is very different, right? And so I think the important thing to do is to talk about that journey because from the outside looking in, let's take that student you were, the hypothetical student you were just describing. Let's call her Sally. Okay. Sally made this incredible application that's, you know, a passion project of hers about how to connect musicians. This was one I had seen a few months ago that was pretty cool. And she had to do some complicated things with an API, but it turned out really great. And she was really excited that she did it. What you see from the outside looking in at Sally's, maybe you you met Sally at the beginning of the course, and previously Sally was a barista. She had no experience in software engineering. And then you went and visited Sally at the end of our program at our science fair, Mm -hmm. and you saw her give a demo of her application. And you think, wow, that was really easy. In 15 weeks, she went from... I quit my job and started at Flatiron School to being able to build this application. Right. Wow, I guess it must be easy if you're the right person. But what you don't see, if you imagine a waterline from the starting point of that class to the end of presenting that application, and you imagine a waterline that connects those two points, the swamp is underneath that. It's mm-hmm. under the water. And if we don't talk about that journey and the process of what it's like to actually grow, we have the misconception that it's easy for the people who are meant to do the hard things. But the truth is, growth is hard for everyone. Well, it is, and this tacks on very well to the notion of the growth mindset, and I know that's a big part of how, from the start, this place was planned. That idea that it's not, I can't do this, someone else can, it's I can't do this yet. Mm -hmm. And that's such a powerful, very, very small shift but such a powerful shift. It's an incredible shift. In fact, 
you know, a lot of times people ask me about the curriculum at Flatiron School and what our teachers do. And one of the things that I have been so impressed with our teaching staffs in in my time here and getting to know them and what it is that they do is the fact that maybe 60% of what they do is teaching the technical work, Mm -hmm. the specific domain elements of our programs. A meaningful portion of what they do is working with our students on developing their mindset to be not only effective learners in our program, but to take that with them when they leave and to have that mindset that they can apply to whatever it is that they do. Mm -hmm. We've heard people say, I cook differently today because of the way that I learned how to learn at Flatiron School. And what that that (laughs) means is how you approach problems, how you approach identifying and connecting with your passion, and how you will be a self-driven learner to figure out how to do new things and to problem solve. If I failed in the kitchen and something didn't work out, it's okay. It doesn't mean I'm a failure. Right. It means I need to try a different approach. Maybe yeah. I need a different cookbook. Maybe I need a different kitchen. But we spend a lot of time focusing on this mindset. And I think it's something that people underappreciate from the outside. But once they've come through the experience, they don't. And in fact, we build a lot of this specifically into our program design, which of course you know. But a part of this process is, you know, just even thinking about what we've been talking about here thus far, is almost an empathy and a perspective for what the learning process is like Mm -hmm. to realize that it's not just you, it's everyone, and normalizing those feelings. So one of the things that we do is our Feelings Friday. And this is something that has happened since the very beginning of Flatiron School. I think it it happened in the second cohort. Avi introduced it. But this is an idea that at the end of every week, we sit the students who are in a class together in a circle, and they share what they've been feeling about from the past week. And what's fascinating to me about that example is that every student has to, they have to verbalize something that that was really important to them from the past week. It might be about a technical problem or a, a challenge that they've been working on. It might be about their personal life. Mm-hmm. But it really creates in this high stress, high intensity environment where feelings can be on fire, it creates a shared sense of the emotions that people are going through to help normalize it. So you hear, oh, I'm not the only person that felt that way. Oh, I'm not the only person that struggled with that problem. Okay, this is normal. Mm -hmm. So now I can compartmentalize these emotions that might have otherwise completely dominated and controlled my frame of mind and obfuscated my ability to be an effective learner. So we actually design elements into the program that help our students create a new mindset to become more efficient and effective learners. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. I mean, you have to do that deliberately. Growth mindset doesn't just happen necessarily. Yeah. And I love the way that this has been conceived and built here. It's terrific. I want to go back to the idea of the swamp because there was something that you had said to me that really resonated about communications while you're in the swamp of despair and how that's typically the place where the worst communications happen. And then you got into some stuff about solution-oriented versus problem-oriented communications. And can you just talk about that a little bit? Sure. So if you imagine yourself 
you put yourself into a high stress situation, which is also a learning situation. Like if, just even thinking about that orientation, you realize we don't associate stress with good, right? We oftentimes think about stress is bad. Well, stress comes from pressure and pressure gives us these, these learning moments. But let's assume we pushed ourselves into our stretch zone. We're feeling a little bit stressed. We're maybe all the way down in, in the swamp. And when that happens, that's probably the very moment that we need to be dipping into our best communication tactics because there's a problem. And when a problem exists, we need to figure out how to diagnose it, whether it's, you know, with a technical problem that we have with our work, or maybe it's how we're working and collaborating with other people, even just clarity on what it is that we're trying to accomplish, whatever the problem is that, that is causing us to be down in the swamp. That's when we need our best communication. Mm-hmm. But when you think about for a moment that we're in high stress situation, we actually have a tendency to use our worst communication tactics. Yeah. So we have to be a little bit thoughtful about how we're communicating with each other when either we as individuals are in the swamp or we see a colleague or a peer or a classmate who's down in the swamp and really think about how we're communicating with each other. Right. And I do this little exercise that we probably won't do here, but I ask our new employees to listen to the opposing Star Wars theme music, yeah. the songs. And I ask everybody to come up with a word that describes the theme music for them. And it becomes really evident that when you have the positive songs, you think about it's epic, it's incredible, something good is happening, it's really positive. And on the other hand, If you're listening to the Darth Vader march, there's doom and it's really frightening and something bad is coming. You don't know what it is, but you can all of a sudden you can feel you tense up. Right. And I do that because I think it's a really important way to consider that we know intuitively that music evokes feelings. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. Right. If we're sitting in a dance party or a dinner party or we're going for a run, we listen to different music because it evokes really strong feelings in us. It literally creates energy. Well, I personally think the way we communicate, the words we use, the tone we have, how we talk to each other can evoke just as much energy in ourselves and the people around us and be effective. And so we have to really think a lot about how we communicate when we are operating either as an employee or a student or both in a high growth environment where we're deliberately creating stress and pressure inside that system because that's when we need our best communication and we sometimes dip into our worst communication. So I'll just give you an example. You were talking about solution-oriented versus problem-oriented. So I like to categorize communication tactics into driver state, meaning tactics where we literally can create energy in the organization, or dragger state communication tactics, the ways in which we might communicate with each other that saps us of energy, Mm. right? Which is not something that we typically think about. So let's go back to this notion of solution-oriented versus problem-oriented. When we speak to each other, we can either decide to open up with a solution or open up with a problem. And it could be about the exact same thing. And Mm -hmm. if you've ever done work with improv, which I think you might have, have. (laughs) um, you've probably gone through the how might we type of orientation, which is very much a solution oriented. It's assuming 
there is a solution to the problem mm -hmm. that you've identified. In a growth organization, in a growth learning experience, there are so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get opportunities, yeah. right? That's yeah. how you get a chance to learn is by literally inducing problems through creating pressure in the organization. Yeah. So I'll give you a silly story about coffee. Years ago, before we were a part of WeWork, we had our campus that we ran and managed ourselves and our headquarters staff, the administrative staff, was on site at that location as well. We were pretty lean. We didn't have the kind of fancy coffee that WeWork has. I've come to greatly appreciate the incredible <laughs> coffee that WeWork has consistently in every location. So on this campus, we had a pretty mediocre coffee. It was actually bad. It was bad coffee. <laughs> Everybody complained about the coffee. The students complained about the coffee. The staff complained about the coffee. I complained about the coffee, <laughs> right? It was terrible coffee. Terrible coffee. It was terrible coffee. And it was sort of a bummer. And coffee actually is pretty important to people. And literally after about a year and a half, I finally had an employee who came up to me and said, Christy, the coffee's a problem. And I'm like, enough with the coffee. You know, <laughs> I know. I've, I've heard so. And she, she said, but I was wondering... If I could find a coffee subscription service for the same amount of money that we're spending today, would it be okay if I changed it out? And I said, well, yeah, sure, of course. That'd be great. Never thought another moment about it. And then all of a sudden, about a month later, she must have just done this. And I was walking around the campus and there was like a little buzz on the campus. The students were kind of had a little bounce in their steps. And I, I heard the people standing by the coffee machine and they said, did you have some of the coffee? There's the coffee here is incredible. You should come. Let's go have some coffee. And I was having a meeting and with somebody on staff and they said, let's go grab a coffee on our way to the meeting. The coffee is really good. <laughs> and it was this is such a silly story, yeah. but it's actually important because it acknowledges that problems always exist and you have a choice in how you approach them. Yeah. Are you going to just restate the problem, blame someone for the problem, complain about the problem, or will you make the choice to say, this exists, I acknowledge it, but I believe there's a solution and I'd like to work on it with you. Yeah. It's transformative. Yeah, and I also have experienced this here that like you said there are so many problems there are so many things there that go are. wrong but the way that we talk about them is not to complain about them and i've told you how i value the culture here and how impressed i am at the culture that's been built here but that's part of the culture just okay here's a problem what are we going to do yeah not here's a problem let's moan about it for a while and feel sorry for ourselves and and it's so much more productive it's so much more productive and it's also when i i say it's energy creating that might sound silly but it's really true i mean yeah. if you you think about being around people who identify problems and like it's easy to complain about a problem right and it kind of feels good it's a little bit like gossip right sure. i get yeah. to take a load off and tell you how bad something is and i feel kind of good about it but that's like it's like junk food right? It's like engaging with the bag of chips that I, I really do love Cheetos. Don't tell anyone, but I really do. Um, it's just not good for you. It's a fast burn, but yeah. it's just not going to give you any sustainability. And so it's really, really important to have a reinforced culture where you do try to, to identify solutions and you believe that solutions can be pursued and are prioritized against other things that, that need to be done. Yeah. It's a part of the culture that has to be reinforced by, by everyone and it does create energy. Yeah, it really does. 
We've covered a ton of details here, and, and this is wonderful. I wonder if we can go back to sort of the big picture on this and just talk about why you felt like you should build this at all. Why does this talk exist? I love growing personally. I love learning. When I looked around for, for the place for me to build my career, and I, I couldn't quite figure it out in the first decade of my career, and then I found growth companies I discovered that I love being around other people who love growing and who love growing organizations. So I love growing and I love seeing people be successful in growth. That is fuel for me. So being a part of a growth organization where the core of what we do is training people to transform themselves in these deeply challenging high growth moments, but also being a growth organization on top of that is exciting. That's sort of a dream for me. Mm. But even more important than that is seeing people be successful in that environment. And I think you can always learn the technical aspects of anything you want to do. Any field, any domain, given an amount of time and determination, grit, as they say in the mm -hmm. growth mindset, yeah. I think you can get there. But I think what we don't talk about enough as a society, as educational institutions, I certainly didn't have this in, in my educational experience. I had to learn this inside growth organizations, is that mindset, is what does it feel like to grow? We're, we're people, right? Our... Our KPIs, our, our health indicators are our feelings. Sure. And I can assure you, early in my life and in my career, my background is German, Protestant from Iowa, and I spent time in public accounting, banking, and politics. I never talked about my feelings at any <laughs> point in time in my career until I got here to, to Flatiron School. Huh. And it's a part of the inspiration of the faculty and Avi of the program that he designed. I think recognizing that our feelings either get in our way or they fuel us to be successful and to be able to transform ourselves and grow as much as our wildest dreams could imagine. Yeah. And so for me, this talk is about sharing things that were important and hard lessons for me to learn that I think are fundamental to anything you want to learn mm. and any way in which you want to develop and grow as a professional, in addition to being successful here at this organization, I think they're just fundamental. And I just love seeing people who want to engage in a deep learning process and be successful at it. That's great. Yeah. I went and sat through the sat through. I went and sat in on the first week of the immersive back in December. And it occurred to me that this talk would have been very helpful for the students as well. It's a very parallel experience. It was inspired from it. In fact, yeah. you know, I had spent about 10 years in venture backed growth businesses before Flatiron School. And it wasn't until I had been here for a year that I made the connection to a lot of these underlying points. I think I had intuitively learned them over the years just through repeated experiences and failures. Sure. But what happened when I came to Flatiron School is that I saw this intensive growth experience that was happening for a common set of people over a four-month period of time 
over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to actually see the pattern through the educational experience that we had created that's really just about growth. But it wasn't until I saw what was happening to all of our students on a consistent pattern at different times for different people that I realized, well, this is this is growth. And so I was able to actually take it back into my professional experience and I think abstract it out to just a growth experience, period. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so do these things that you talk about still apply to you or have you just <laughs> risen above them because you do this? You know, I think if anyone is actually challenging themselves, they're not rising above this. Right. So the real question is perhaps, am I still applying pressure to myself to continue growing and learning and okay. changing? And yes, I'm here. It's hard. <laughs> um, the, you know, what we're trying to do to continue to create new programs for students around the world. There's so much work to be done, as, as you know, you've talked about a little bit. There's so many things we still have to figure out. Sure. The macro environment is rapidly changing. So even what we had figured out you know, from the last year, it's changing once again. And so we have to continue to evolve and, and innovate. But also, you know, one of the things we were talking about earlier is I have decided to take what we've built here in the US that, that I've been working on for the last five and a half years and try to transition it into the Eastern Hemisphere. That's a big part of the world, relocating my family to Australia. And that's a little bit intimidating. And I'm super excited about it, just like my daughter was thinking, what an incredible adventure. I'm pursuing it because I am very, very eager to learn about other cultures. I'm eager to learn about how other societies actually consider education and how their workforce is transforming. So I'm really eager to learn about those things. But I also have all those self-doubts that start to settle in. Like, do I really know what I'm doing to actually (laughs) launch something in a foreign country? And think about all the things that I won't know. Similar questions that my 11-year-old daughter had. I don't know where the school is. I don't know how to use the transportation system. And especially as we start thinking about other countries beyond Australia with Singapore or maybe China someday or Korea, even more foreign to me. I have even less knowledge and, and expertise. So just like when you were joining Flatiron School and you knew you had a lot to bring and were very excited about being able to put those skills to use, I believe I have a lot to bring to this, but I also know there's a lot I don't know. And so I think the difference for me versus maybe where I was 10 years ago in my career or even five years ago is I still have those feelings, but I can contextualize them. Mm. So I'm pretty good at saying this is normal. These feelings of self-doubt or lack of readiness or the ambiguity is a little bit overwhelming, having to put together the the plan. I have a little bit more comfort with it, Mm. mostly because I believe that I can keep putting one foot in front of the other, not knowing exactly where I'm going, but knowing that the struggle is the way. Mm -hmm. And I'll come out on the other side, and I value that growth experience. That's so well said. Yeah, and, and it's going to be an amazing experience. I'm so excited for so. you <laughs> and your great. family. This is terrific. And our future students. And our future students. Chrissy, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad that you agreed to do this and take your time to do this. As I said, this talk that you gave was transformative for me, and I know that it's been for others. And so I'm so glad that we get to share this with 
other people as well. Well, thanks for inviting me, Sean. Yeah, thank you. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. Take care. Do you enjoy this podcast? I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes or SoundCloud. And of course, please recommend it to your friends. Thank you.